Once again, we're honored to have each and every one of you worship the Lord with us today. If you're a first-time guest, thank you for coming. We want this to be a great experience. We give you anonymity, which means just hang out and hide out and make yourself at home. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to move into a different subject today. Let's see where the Lord takes us. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 verse through 23. This is a teaching, I think, is specifically geared for maybe new believers, but uh, we haven't started reading, so you don't want to throw it up on the screen yet. I'll, I'll let you, thank you very much. Um, the, but it's available and important for all of us. And we're going to talk about the power of desires. You know, when you first get saved, your hair didn't change, your clothes didn't change, your heart changed. But in the process of growing and walking in the relationship you have with Jesus, we start uh, discovering not only positive desires, but also dealing with some negative desires. And we got to figure out how to manage that, because if we allow the devil to tell us, he'll tell us that we're wrong or not saved or we're a bad person because we had a bad desire or a bad thought cross your mind. And we have to understand the power of desires, where they come from, and how to manage that so that we can live in victory. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean every thought that crosses your mind is going to be a good thought. We have to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. And so learning to process and realize that there is the, the human side, the spiritual side, the emotional side, all these areas of our lives that come into play, and that just because we might have a desire to do something does not dictate that that's the will of God for our life. A lot of times in, in the spirit-filled uh, churches like we are in, uh, non-denominational, charismatic, word of faith, whatever you want to call it. There's, if we're not careful and we're not taught correctly, we will get into the tendency of doing what we want because we have a strong desire, and then we reverse engineer the idea to other people. Oh, the Lord, Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit is, but maybe He's not. I've seen people make major decisions, and they blame God, and God wasn't involved in the decision at all. Oh, I know that's the one for me. I got to marry. The Holy Spirit told me that's my husband. Well, he's already married. He's got four kids. So I think that <laughs> what you're being led by is not the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had a desire and you just knew it was God and you went after it and found out later that you missed and it wasn't God? God doesn't play games with this. And the intensity of a desire does not define the will of God. Oh, I just really want this. I had a dear lady come to the, uh, years ago, was after church came up and talked to me. Pastor, you got to pray for me. Okay, what are you, what's your problem? She said, oh, you know what? I bought this car, and I just knew it was the, the car that God wanted me to have. I just wanted it so much, and the, the salesperson told me I just look like a queen in this car. And she said, and pastor, when I sat in that car, I felt like a queen in that car. <laughs> now, if you know much about cars, first of all, you have to know, salespeople are like any people, and we love them. And I, my cousin runs a dealership, so I'm not, but not all salespeople are going to be honest with you. They are not the ones you want to get approval from. And they sold her a 10-year-old Mercedes S500. Now, if you know anything about Mercedes or any exotic cars, the last thing you want is an old one, past its warranty. And her problem was it started breaking down, and she didn't have the money to fix it. 
And I said, why did you buy such an old car? And that's she goes, oh, because they told me I look like a queen. And I wanted to be a queen. And I felt like a queen. And I don't know what she feels like after that. So the strength of a desire on the negative side, just because we have a desire for something doesn't mean it comes from God. The flip side is, if you've ever been in this, and I think we all deal with this from time to time, is you'll see a situation and you want the right desire, but you don't feel the right desire, and so we try to work up the right desire. Maybe it's to love other people. Man, Lord, maybe it's to love your spouse. Help me, Jesus. Love your children. Come on, somebody. Love, love people that do you wrong. Love people that God brings to your path. And, and you, we work on trying to will it and force it, and we struggle. And then if we're, after a period of time, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we will fake it till you make it kind of mentality and act like we, we have something that on the inside we don't have. And so we'll act kind, and we're saying, oh, it's so good to see you. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. And you're walking away saying, I hope they fall into a hole. Come on, somebody. I hope I never see them again. Because what we're saying on the outward is not really what's it's true on the inside. And I think in the church world, that's why a lot of unchurched people get mad at the church world because after a while, if everybody's acting a part and not playing and not being real, you start thinking none of this is real. And I'm not saying if you, if you don't like somebody, rip into them. I'm saying that there is a place in the Word of God where we can begin to activate these type of positive desires in our heart that we can be genuine and real so that when we tell somebody, listen, I love you and I'm concerned for you, I'm praying for you, it's not something you're just saying to sound good, look good, or try to be good, but it is the real deal out of your heart. How many people want to have that kind of flow out of your heart? The things that God says, and we're going to get right into this, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. Now you can throw this up on the screen. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but there's a few in there I'd like. Mm-hmm. Underline that one. Highlight that one. Highlight, underline, and circle that one. Put a star next to it. That one's for me. Come on, somebody. And we can look at that, and we almost look at it as a wish list for a good Christian. This is what a good person should look like. So starting today, I'm going to try really hard to walk in love and joy and peace and patience after that third person annoys you, you look at him and saying, you are running, you are really working my patience. And it's, no, we're trying to be patient. There's a big difference in trying to be patient and being patient. It's not a wish list. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the understanding of a fruit is that the fruit is the end result of the byproduct of a seed. So a seed produces a tree, a tree produces the fruit. So how do we begin to activate the results of the seed of God's Word in our lives? It is the work, notice it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it, is not, it is not us trying to achieve it, it's learning how to receive it. Amen. Write that down if you're taking notes. It's not you trying to achieve it, it's you learning to receive it. Developing in the fruit of the Spirit. Romans 12, 2 tells us, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice this, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. It's learning not to conform to the idea of what is good, but learning to become transformed. Again, the idea is, I don't achieve it, I receive it. Say, I don't achieve it, I receive it. Now, in the context of this, it says, be not conformed to the world. I'm going to add this, and I've done it before in the past, and, I'm, and if you disagree, you're welcome to it. I'm going to say it this way. Do not be conformed even to the church world. Because we've all been in churches, thankfully not here, and you can look around and everybody talks the same, everybody acts the same, everyone speaks the same, they all sing the same, they all praise and clap the same, they all dress the same, they all have the same haircuts, and you think, OMG, what's going on? Anytime I see that, the next thing I ask is, where's the Kool-Aid? Because something's not right in this group. I'm sorry, you can disagree with me. I get nervous when everybody's exactly the same. You know what I mean? That's like going to visit your friend's family, and they're, oh, we're going to have family reunion. And you get over there, and everybody's the same age, same hair, same clothes, same. You're going to look and say, something's wrong with this. Where's the grandma in this mix? Where's the babies in this mix? Right? Because any good, healthy family is going to have the, the, the dynamic of the very mature to the very immature and, and everything in between. Right. If you go into a church and everybody's mature and there's no immature, there's something wrong with that. Yep. There's no, there should be some babies in the group that just got saved and they're making a mess of everything around them, but that's okay because they're babies. Yeah. Now, if you've been a baby for 20 years and still making a mess, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> but in the process of growth, there is that process that we understand that it doesn't, it's not trying to, let's all act the same. Right. Don't be conformed to the, even the church world. Because you'll find yourself exhausted by the weight of trying to be something you're not. Instead of being free to who God's called you to be. Because when it's real, it'll, it'll carry you. Yes. When it's real, it'll produce life. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, if you've got to look around before you tell a joke, If you got to remember what you told the last person, that's one thing I love about telling the truth. You don't have to remember anything. You don't look at them and say, what, did I t what story did I tell them? No. It's learning to relax. Look to your neighbor and say, relax a little. So be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. And so there's a renewal, transformation process that God makes available to us that's available to us when we allow ourselves to spend time in the Word of God and not allow ourselves to adapt to our surroundings, but allow the Word on the inside to bring a change on the inside. Transform, not conform. Developing the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, understand the power of desires. Understand the power of desires. Just because you have it doesn't mean it's got to, everything needs to line up with the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me say that again. Everything should line up with the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Because just because you have a desire, we have to keep ourselves in check. Oh, I've been saved for 20 years. I know. But Paul says even throughout the process of life and maturity and understanding, you have to keep yourself in check. Because not every desire you feel is a God desire. So how do I get the God desires? Psalms 37 verse 4 says it this way. 
Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Notice this again. Most of us read that saying, oh, if I delight myself in God, he will give me what I really want. And I believe that that's not actually what it's saying, because some of us have had bad desires, and we're doing good things for God, but we're doing good things for God so he can give us the bad desire. And God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things to have you. The process is really being read. If you notice this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires. It's your time in God's presence, your time in God's word, your time seeking God, your time obeying God, that he will begin to birth his desires on the inside of you. Notice that next verse that confirms that. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it. What's it? The desires. So when God gives you a desire, and he's birthed a desire in you, that's not the, that's the end. That's not the end. That's the time to celebrate. Now I know the mind of God. But now I have to begin to commit my decisions, my choices, my work effort. I have to put some effort to it. Commit your way to the Lord. And I have to trust him. And I have to know that he will bring it to pass. He brings it to pass. It's not immediate. But you got to put effort to it. You get a prophetic word. Oh, I'm so excited about the word that God gave me. It's in line with the word of God. It's a confirmation what God's been dealing with me. And now we just want to sit in the easy easy chair and say, kumbaya, Lord. I know tomorrow's going to be great. I don't have to do anything from here. You're going to back up the truck of heaven and drop it in my lap. And you're waiting. Beep, 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 beep. And there's no truck coming. And you're like, Lord, what's the problem? It's been a few times, a few years. Well, have you been putting some effort? You have to contend for what God has for you. We have to contend and go after what God has for us. You have to walk through the wall, walk around, sometimes speak to that mountain and tell it to be relocated and begin to say, wait a minute, I cannot, I cannot stop because I just heard and I'm excited. Praise God, you're excited. But if you've ever had a word from God, you know the emotional excitement will, will come and go. The emotional excitement will come and go. And if we're waiting for things to happen when we feel it emotionally, we're going to miss a lot of things that God has for us. Because there's some things when God said, listen, I want you to take the promised land. And you say, great. And God told Joshua, I will be with you like I was with Moses, Joshua chapter 1. And no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I'm going to give you and you're going to lead my people into the promised land. And God said, are you ready to go? And Joshua was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. He didn't realize at the time he'd have to do some battling. He had to do some fighting. He'd have to deal with some kings and some kingdoms on the way. But you have to understand, if God told you to go, he meant for you to go. And you can't just sit back and wait for it to show up. You have to contend and say, God, you've given me this desire. You've asked me to go into the school system and bring a change. You've asked me to go to my neighborhood and see people get saved. You've asked me to help feed the hungry. It doesn't mean you got a great idea. Now let's just celebrate and try to talk some people into it. That happens a lot. Have you ever had someone who tries to pawn off their desire? God's desire into your life. I don't know why they'll call, oh, pastor, I know what we need to do now. And they'll be so excited. And you're like, that's not what something, God didn't tell me to do it, but God told me to do it. Well, then you need to go after it. Well, if you do it, pastor, I know it's taken care of. I don't need to do your work. I need to run the race that God has set before me. Are you listening to me? You got to, sometimes we get exhausted because we are running somebody else's race because we respect them, we love them, and they had a great God idea. And all of a sudden, their God idea has been put on the assignment of our to-do. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're to get our desires, not from men, but from God. Are you listening to me? 
I want to free somebody up today that you've been exhausted trying to do ministry, but you found out the ministry you're doing is what other people put on your shoulders to do. And it looks good, and it makes you sound good, and it makes you look like you've got it together. But I want you to know, when David stood before uh, the king, and the king says, you can't fight this giant. He's too big. He's too trained. You're too young. It's amazing how people will tell you, you can't do something when God places a desire in your heart to go do it. It wasn't even David's fight, but God placed it in his heart and had already anointed him to be king. And anointing for, to be king meant that you were anointed to bring things in the order of the will of God. That means you had to be willing to do battle against those who opposed the will of God. Are you listening to me? The prophet heard the voice of God. The priest ministered to God for the people. But the king exercised in the anointing to bring the rule in order of God. Oh, I just stepped into something. The rule in order of the king king of kings into the house. Are you listening to me? You can't have everybody telling you what to do. And the king who had stepped out of that anointing, he was no longer anointed to be king. David was anointed to be king. But he stood before somebody who was in the position. And sometimes people are holding on to positions that God didn't tell them to stay in at the time. And we got to be willing. And he stood before the king Saul. And Saul said, listen, you can't do it. It amazes me how people will try to talk you out of and rationalize and reason with you why you cannot go forward. Why you cannot walk it out that way. Why you can't do it. You better better be careful. You better use a little wisdom. You can't do it that way. You can it doesn't make sense. It doesn't if it made sense to everybody, I don't think it'd be God. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own, own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. When he begins to direct you, he directs you with his desires. And when he gives you desires, you will be in conversation with people that will not see it your way. And that's okay. Because Corinthians tells us that the carnal mind, the rational mind, will not always receive the things of God because they'll look foolish to them. I don't know why you're giving money to him, church. You need money for your kids' clothes. You might. But I'm telling you, there is a system that God created that rides above the system of the world. It's the system of God. That's why we don't pressure people to give. That's why don't, we don't guilt people to giving. That's because God loves a cheerful giver because he does have a system to get his people out of poverty. He's got a system to get his people out of lack. He's got a system to get his people into more than enough because he is still El Shaddai the God of more than enough and if you want what he has you better do what he asks you to do because his system doesn't always make sense to the natural carnal mind but his system will always work and at the end of the day thank you my friend God bless you at the end of the day at the end of the day at the end of the day those who told you it won't work will come by and say how did that work for you Come on, if you believe that, take five. If you know some people that need to come to you later, take five seconds to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Have you, if you've had people try to talk you out of your miracle, try to sidetrack you from the direction of God, try to rework the plan of God, try to put on you what God never intended for you to do, if you know what I'm talking about, then let heaven hear you roar a praise to Jesus. I think it's interesting how the king tried to talk David out of doing something that the king was supposed to do and the king wouldn't do and the king was hiding out so he didn't have to notice it. But when someone said, I'll take care of the problem, he began to tell them why it shouldn't work for them. 
I mean, I'm glad that David wasn't just, just quick to jump off and say, well, listen, king, it's your problem, not mine. You're supposed to be deal with this. Wouldn't you want to tell him, this is not my problem. Secondly, I think it's interesting, that story, is that when the king finally came around, okay, David, you should do it. I, I heard your story because David said, listen, king, let me tell you about my story. And first of all, let me by, uh, sidetrack. You don't have to convince everybody about your story. David didn't tell his friends. David didn't tell his brothers that were accusing him. Not everybody deserves a right to the inside track of what God's doing in your life. But David was talking to the king, and the king was the one that would give him permission to go out and fight and represent him. And he said, King, let me tell you a story about I was watching my father's sheep, and a lion and a bear came after him, and I went after him. Now, that's the first thing you might think who is this guy? He said, I knocked him down, and, and we know that his chosen weapon was a sling, so assume he threw, got the sling and chucked a rock at him and knocked him out. And he said, then I went and took the lamb out of their mouth, and then they rose up against me. You know what that means? They woke up. They came too. Another rabbit trail, David learned even from his past challenges. Why? Because the next time he fought somebody was Goliath. And what did he do? I'm taking this one's head off. He had learned that when you knock them down, it's not over. You have to cut their head off. And the king said, he said, and the Lord gave me victory over that lion and the bear. And the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will be the same God who delivers me from the hand of this Philistine giant, this uncircumcised Philistine. And finally the king said, okay, that, that'll work. I'll let you go. But here's what I want you to do. I want to put my armor on you. Now think about that. The king's not out there. And I don't know why he would do it. it we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the, of the doubt. That maybe he just sincerely wanted to give David what he thought would be the best chance of success. And some people in our lives, they are sincere. And they, maybe in their sincerity, they are trying to add stuff to your life. Because they think, we'll help you. But if it's not from God, it could hurt you. But maybe it could have been the complete opposite. What is the opposite? Because the king knew that if David went out there wearing his armor, most people would think it's the king. And he can get somebody to be a substitute for his, for his battle. And I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we will fall into the pit of wanting other people to be our substitute in our battles. But there's some battles you have to fight on your own with Jesus. There's some battles, you, there's some fiery furnace that you got to go in with the, with the fourth man. So there's some things you have to stand up and you can't just delegate it out to somebody else. But you got to rise up in the anointing that God has placed on you. You have to stir up the word of the... God that is on the inside of you and you might not feel it you might not want it but you got to talk to yourself and say self straighten up stand up I stir up the word and the gift of God on the inside of me this battle I can't delegate it out this is my battle but God has given me the victory because I've given the battle to the Lord and he will fight for me today I'd rather somebody else do it but you let other people do it, that you can talk about them, sing about them, but you'll never have the revelation of how awesome your God is in your life. That's right. 
Praise God, we can get prayed for by people, and that's important. But there's times that they won't be around or won't be available. Maybe they're not in the mode or mood or flow, whatever. I don't know. But there's, you come to a place where you're like, wait a minute. I don't need to call somebody. I'm stepping up. The, you, you better call the police. They better call the police. I got me a gun. I'm ready. So the king could have looked at that situation and said, you know what? I'm going to put this armor on David because then it'll look like it's me. And then I'll, I'll feel good because I'm solving the problem. Everybody knows that I'm, I sent David out to fight, and he represents me. He looks like me, and I'll get all the praise for solving the problem. Because wow. not everybody in your circle in your world is going to be the right type of person in your circle in your world. Some people are literally there to hold you up because they don't want to look bad themselves. And they don't mind you shining as long as you don't outshine them. And they might not be able to formulate that in their process, but subconsciously they're kind of like, mm, I'm not going to help. If you've ever been around people, that it's not that they oppose you. They just drag their feet just a little bit. They just withhold. And the king said, David, let me put your armor. And it had to be appealing because David allowed the king to put that armor on him. Because if you're David, this solves a lot of problems for you. Because you just came out of a conversation with your brother just intimidated and mocked you in front of your friends. So if you ever want to, boy, David could think, this will show him. This will prove to him how important I am. This will validate me to my friends. Oh, I'll look good with my friends. I can have that story for a long time. But the danger is if you ever fight with the idea of how will I look in front of other people, if you ever try to do things for God with the idea and the intent of, I'm going to show how great I am, you are fighting the wrong battle, my friend. David put on that armor, and I know that because there's a human side to all of us, I know David, David looked at that armor and probably thought, man, this looks good. And maybe this is how God's going to do it, because God's already anointed me to be king, and now he's, I look like a king. Some of us rather look righteous and holy than be righteous and holy. Some of us like to look spiritual than be spiritual. Some of us like to look anointed than rather be anointed. The Pharisees, Jesus said, you, have the, you look the part, but on the inside you're dead. You're dead men's bones. That's what religion will do to you. That's what religion is, in my opinion. See, I'm not into religion. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion will get you, all that you care about is the clothes that you're wearing and how people are looking to you. When David sinned, he went before the prophet and said, get out of my way. I have to get before God and repent. When Saul sinned and was presented that sin by the prophet, Saul said, here comes some important people. Just allow me to pro you know, prophesy over me and make me look good in front of them. He didn't care what he had done was wrong against God. He was more into his PR department. Come on, somebody. David looked at that armor, and I, I think all of us would have been like, man, this is, I'm anointed to be king. Now I can look like a king. But he could have looked like the king that was on his way out and not the king that was on his way in. Oh, my God. 
We try to match other people. We try to emulate other people. We try to follow the pattern of somebody else. And I'm not saying what they did or are doing is wrong or bad. But maybe that's not the, the mode, the method that God has for you. And we exhaust ourselves in the kingdom of God because we're trying to emulate somebody by being something that they do that we don't do. And now we're trying to perform instead of... Bad thing about performance, you better know who's in your audience. Good thing about flowing and being genuine is you don't care who's in your audience because you know you're doing what he's asked you to do. Bad thing about performance, you got to look and say, how do I, how do I navigate this message to, so I can match up and get the, I, I look at the age, I look at, no, no, no. When you, when you just flow, you just go with it. You just live your life and you are free to be who God's called you to be. And some people will try to change you and tell you they don't like it. And you just have to look, say, listen, I can't change for you. Maybe you're not ready for me. Remember that from last week. I, I, I just can't, I can't make everybody happy. You know, when you try to make everybody happy, you're going to get exhausted. We just need to follow the desires that God puts in our life. So back to our thoughts. So when God gives you the desire, it doesn't mean you just celebrate it and you want to celebrate it. God gives you the desire and revelation and truth that he's your Jehovah Jireh and you don't have to be lack and, and broke and in debt and you can have more than enough so that you can be a blessing in every occasion, the New Testament says, and you start getting excited about it. But that doesn't mean you just go back and buy some Cheetos and sit in your car and watching, watching your... Instagram, come on somebody, and saying, I'm not going to do anything because I'm getting blessed. As you're burning gas that you can't afford. Come on somebody. No, no, you have to, we have to push in with faith and go after what God, what has God placed on your heart to do? When God gives you desire to do something, push in. You're like, I don't know what to do. Then push in in prayer. Push in with the Word of God. Get your scriptures. Get your prayer. And in that process, watch what God will bring the right people or show you the right person or bring the right book or whatever it is into your life. And what are you doing? You're going after it. The kingdom of God suffered violent and the violent taketh by force. You just don't wait for it to fall in your lap. Too many Christians are saying, kumbaya, Jesus, fall into my lap because I had a good word from somebody and I know it's in line with your word and I know it's mine and I believe I receive. Well, what are you doing to move toward that? Yeah. Delight yourself in the Lord. Philippians 2, verse 13 says, For God is working in you. I love this verse. This shows me how much, how much mercy God has for us. For God is working in you. Say, God is working in me. Come on, shout, God is working in me. Notice what he's doing. He's giving you the desire and the power, another translation says, ability to do what pleases him. Oh, God, I don't know if I could live that life. He's not asking you to live that life. He's asking you to let him live that life through you. I can't kill that giant. I'm not asking you to kill that giant. I'm asking you to let me kill that giant through you. You just chuck the rock because that, that's what you've been working on. And when you chuck the rock, I'm going to direct it and navigate it. And I'm going to move it. And what was impossible to man for you to get bullseye on the first try, it won't make sense because it's not you. It's all about me. I want to do, let me chuck the rock through you. Look to your neighbor and say, get ready to chuck your rock. God's not asking you to do it. He's asking you to let him do it through you. I don't know if I can run that kind of business. He's not asking you to run the business. He's asking you to let him give you the wisdom and work through you. 
I don't know if I can manage that many people. He didn't say that you can do it on your own. You can't. Don't you understand that living this life that he has for us, it's not based on you being the best you. It's learning to be beyond the best you so that you know that even on your best day, you could not do what God's asking you to do. And when you look back, the Bible says, and I think this is Miss Cordula, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Most people think goodness and mercy is chasing me down. It didn't say goodness and mercy is chasing you down. It said goodness and mercy is following you. And it didn't say they would catch you. It said they're following you all the days of your life. Why are they following you? It's not because they're trying to catch you. It's because that's what you've released from you. God has released goodness and mercy. And you look back one day and say, wow, where I used to look back and I would see busted and destruction and heartbreak and anger and frustration and offense and brokenness. Now I look back and I see goodness and I see mercy and I can't do that. I know that was God through me who gave me a word of encouragement for that person at work. It was God through me who prayed for that person and they got healed. It was God through me who brought peace into that room. It was God through me. It's not about you. It is God through you. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the almighty God. And it's God through you. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are the body of Christ. It is God through you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The greater one dwells in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the earth. It is God through you. If you believe that, give him a praise right where you're at. He's saying, let me work through you. I'll give you the desire. I'll give you the ability. It's one thing to say, praise God, I got a 2% raise this year. Praise God for a 2% raise. But if everybody got a 2% raise automatically, then it's not, I mean, that, 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 praise God, you still got it. But I'm looking for people who believe, God, I'm expecting this year in 2023. I'm expecting, if you're looking for increase, Lord, I'm expecting to get the largest, Lord, I want even a bigger percentage raise than the president. Hallelujah. I've been told this story in a while, but it was a good story. Mary Wally is a member of the church many years ago. Came to me and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I said, what's going on? She said, we just got a notice Friday from work that they're going to do a major cutoff, a cut, cut back. And a lot of people are going to be let go. And I, I want you to pray and agree with me that I can not lose my job. And out of my spirit, you know, when, when it's the Holy Ghost and it's the Word of God, things change. Because in the natural, you would think, I would say, okay, Mary, that's, that's good. Let's, let's, we'll agree that you don't lose your job, and let's look at some backup options and maybe get your resume together, and let's get, some, get some, your name out there to some businesses and start thinking of places you like to work, or maybe you can look at some of the people that worked alongside business to business with your company that's similar, that might know you in relation. You could come up with some very good practical things. But out of my spirit just came, and I said, no, I refuse to pray that. She looked at me. I said, nowhere in the Bible does it say pray that you keep what God's already given you. God is a God of increase. 
The kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. I said, there's no faith in you praying that if it's a lottery pick, there's no, that sounds like luck. There's no faith in you praying, Lord, help me keep my job. I said, if we're going to pray and believe and trust God to do the impossible, why don't we just stack the deck a little bit? Her eyes got real big, and I said, why don't we pray that even though people are losing their jobs, that you get a promotion and a raise? How about that? And you might think, well, that's just impossible. No one gets raises and promotions when they're, in, when they're not meeting budget, and they're having to fire people and cut things back. That's what the natural mind says. That's what the human reasoning says. But that's not what God says. But the Word of God says all things are possible to those who believe. Are you listening to me today? I want to speak the word of encouragement, the word of faith in somebody's heart today. That you walk out of here that where you've set your standard low in prayer, you begin to raise your standard and say, wait a minute, I have, I've been praying too low and when you pray too low there's no power because God uh, he watches over his word to perform it so that means you got to raise your expectation to the promise are you listening to me and so we said let's just pray that you're going to come out with a raise and a, prom- a promotion and a raise increase on this she said sure she texted me Tuesday pastor you're not going to believe this I love it when people start that I mean we started with prayer so let's hope I can't believe it and she said you're going to believe this she goes my boss lost their j- they fired my boss that was one of the people that got cut And they said that now they need somebody to fill my boss's spot. So they just gave me the promotion and a raise. Come on, somebody. If it was your raise and your promotion, you would shout. God is the God of impossible. God is the God of impossible. God is the God of impossible. Antoinette, can I share your story, just a little bit of it? Wave your hand so they don't think I'm just making this up. So they, sorry. She, she has been believing for a new kidney. She told me this week, this past week, she said, Pastor, you know that she's on dialysis and she's believing for a miracle and she's walking this thing out. Amen. Amen. And some of you complain to God that your, to- your, your nails just cracked after 30 minutes of walking out of the... I just spent all that money on these nails getting them done. And there my child ripped one off. Now what am I going to do with that one? Now I look stupid. Oh, God, why? Some of you looking at your nails right now, so I got to get them fixed. She told me this week, she goes, Pastor, you know that I'm on dialysis. I'm bleeding for kidney. And she said, not to grow, she said, you have to realize that because the process of dialysis. She goes, I have not urinated in a year. Because all of that function is taken care of by equipment. And praise God for medical. She said, but she was, you come here and tell it. Come on. She goes, oh, please, come on. Come on. Now, don't be shy because I know there's no shyness in your body at all. Don't you actually? Okay, so tell, finish your story. So I've been on dialysis for 14 years in May, and uh, and I've not urinated in a year. But last week, uh, I, I urinated. Uh, and I just thank God. I just thank God. I just thank God. Tell me, tell me what you told me. You're walking through the hallway. 
Well, I was in the shower, <laughs> and it happened. <laughs> so, so I just last Sunday. Last Sunday, oh, my son said that something happened in the church. His he said his body was just totally different after Pastor, you know, said the word. Just you know, after church, he said his body was just totally different. It's something happened in his body and something happened in my body. So I'm just thanking God for it. Just thanking God for it. You were walking through the hallway. You were volunteering. I mean, I was volunteering last week. Last week. I can't remember. She don't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. The way I remember you telling me to make sure I'm, you, were, you were in the process of volunteering. You weren't even in the service. You're walking down the hallway in the mall, and you said you just felt the power of God. I did, yes, let, yes, I did, I did, I'm sorry, <laughs> I did, I just, I felt the power of God, so I know that it was the Lord. Start all over again today. Pastor, why are you embarrassing me like this? I'm not embarrassing, you're doing a great job. I just felt the power of God last week, and I was not in the service, but I was out there working. And I was not in here, but I felt the power of God as I was out there walking through the hall, dealing with the volunteers. I was. I felt the power of God. Come on, somebody. Jesus can heal you when someone prays for you. Jesus can heal you when you're walking by. He's still the healing God. He's still more than enough. He is Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15:23. He is the God that heals his people. Healing is bread for the children, Matthew 15, 26. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Complete it in Jesus' name. Complete it. Complete. Good job, man. Hallelujah. 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 Leave her there. Leave her down. Hey, hey, leave her alone. Just get her sit. Come on, somebody. He is your healer. He is the healer. Let her, let her enjoy the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If I was you in this atmosphere, I'd put my hand on where there's a pain. Watch, you don't think, you think I'm blind? If you got a pain in your body, put your hand on that pain right now. Right now. How, how, wait, let me do it this way. How many people, everybody put your hands down real quick so I can see. How many people you feel pain in your body? Lift your hand right now. Oh, I'm Jesus. All right, put your, if you believe you receive, put your hand on the area if you can where there's pain. Watch what God will do. Father, in the name of Jesus, you instructed me to do this yesterday. I curse and bind all pain and the source of pain. I curse those demonic powers, that spirit of infirmity, any and every attack on their bodies. I curse and bind it, spiritual, natural, emotional, whatever it might be. I bind it and I loose them from that pain. And I speak healing in their body in Jesus' name. Now, say, now begin to give them praise. Say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Healed, healed.
healed, healed. Hallelujah. Now put your hands down. Put your hands down. How many people you just felt the uh, pain leave your body and you just healed? Raise your hands. Lift your hand as high as you can. Look at it. Lift your hand. I'm not looking for people to fake it. I'm not looking for it. I'm look, come on. Now listen to me. Let me give you some instruction. If you didn't feel the miracle happen immediately, are you listening to me? That doesn't mean anything. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Every time you begin to feel pain, say, no, I have no pain. Say, you just tell pain, you got to go. Here's why. Say, I receive. See, Mark 11, 23, 24 says, you believe that when you receive it. So what is today? What is today? Sunday? March 12th at 1134. I want out of your mouth, you say, I thank you, Jesus, that on Sunday, March 12th at 1134, I receive my healing. Every, when you wake up, you, when you wake up tomorrow, say, Father, I thank you. Sunday, March 12th at 1134, I receive my healing. You go to bed. Father, I thank you that on Sunday, March 12th at 1134, I receive my healing. I receive it. When did you receive? You received it just a few minutes ago. So I receive it. Now give them praise like you meant it. Hallelujah. You might say, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense. I'm not too sure if I even agree or believe it. That's okay. Put it on the back burner. There's no test at the end of the day. You walk this thing out. You're like, I don't know if I want to eat from that table. You don't have to, but don't stop other people from eating from that table. Be seated, be seated, be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for sharing that testimony. I got to give you a hug. Come here. Now, Father, complete it. Complete it. Complete. I call it done. 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 New kidneys. I call it into place. A recreative miracle. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Developing the fruit of the Spirit. Don't try to conform to it. Transform. Understand the power of desires. That when God gives you desire, He wants to work in you and through you. He'll give you the desire. Last but not least. You thought we were done preaching, didn't you? (laughs) Make the investment. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8 says, For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What does that tell me? I like to say it this way. We use the word sow. Most people think sowing is like giving money. It's, all, it's an investment. It's not always financial. This is taking time and sowing, investing into your life. Spend time in the Word of God. I don't know why I got these wrong desires. I just want to hurt people. You've been watching movies about people getting killed for eight hours yesterday. Yeah, 
I don't know why. I just feel like I, I, I got this desire to commit adultery, and I know it's wrong. You have been watching movies about people committing adultery or reading books about people committing adultery. Oh, they're just good novels because I know reading's good. What you feed grows. What you starve weakens. I don't know why. I just see these people, and I just hate them. It's because you've listened to news people to tell you that that race is against you. And I don't care what race you want to call it, black, white, brown, tan, it does not matter. You can find a channel of someone telling you, feeding you, that they are against you and are going to hurt you and they hate you. And if you feed it, it will grow. And you can't figure out why you're dealing with a, a spirit of hatred and racism, which is not of God. I'm telling you why. What you allow in affects you. We're going to be a generation that changes that game. How did that first start? Because someone called Martin Luther King Jr. had a God had revealed him to him something that was not present that should and can be different. Yes. It's make the right investment. Spend time in the word. Spend time in worship. Spend time in praise. Spend time yeah, Spend time obeying God. Spend time praying. What are you doing? I'm investing, but I don't feel God. That's why I'm making an investment. You know, any wise investor in the financial market, you don't wait till you get rich before you start investing. You start with what you have, and it's called time and consistency in the financial world. What do they tell you? That if you keep investing, even if it seems like a not important amount, well, I can take that and go have a nice dinner to my family. You can and consume it, but if you learn to take a little bit, invest it, and here this week and next week, and each week and over the process of time and consistency the process produces wealth for the individual it's not trying to buy a lottery ticket and get a million overnight it's a matter of choosing oh I only got us $30 a week take that $30 and invest it and invest it and I'm not a broker and you can't be my customer are you listening to me it's a financial process that people have learned to develop wealth it's not a matter of getting there in a step you do it time and consistency, time and consistency, and over and over and over and over. How do you get in shape? You don't get in shape because you went to the gym once. If you only go once, you get hurt and you're sore for two weeks. You do a little here and you keep doing it 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 and you keep doing it. And, doing it. and over the process, you wake up and you think, oh, I don't want to take a year. I don't want to take three years. You just keep doing it and time have you ever noticed time goes by so fast we thought three years or five years is forever you look back and say wow 30 years where did it all go because it keeps moving but if you keep working the system working and in the kingdom of God what is that system keep investing in the things of God keep not just financially ties and offerings I'm talking about spend time in the word you're like I don't have much time get it on tape get it on get it on CD get it on your phone audio and let it play while you drive play while you're in the shower what are you doing just little here and you keep doing doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it why because you said I'm waiting to feel God before I pray that's not the time to pray I mean it's good to pray when you feel God but if you want to feel God more you got to begin to start praying when you don't feel anything because I'm not praying because I feel something I'm not reading the Bible today because I'm feeling spiritual I'm reading the Bible because I want to feel spiritual I want to feel the presence of God I I choose to make the investment and I keep doing it and I'm making the deposit and I'm making the 
deposit. And the devil say, look, you spent 30 minutes reading the Bible. Nothing's changed. You still got a bad day. That's like someone coming to the gym. You spend an hour in the gym and look, you still look that way. You take a, you look in the mirror and go, I don't see anything different. It's because you've only done it once. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man who plants a seed and waters it and comes back day and night and does not know how it produces, but it produces after its own kind. What are you doing? I am sowing the seed of God's word in my mind, in my heart, in my emotions. I refuse to allow the devil to allow bad desires to redirect me. And I'm going to say no to the bad desires. And I'm going to keep sowing the good. And I know that in the process, in the process, in the process, many years ago, I've shared this before, when I was in college, I was helping my parents and I went to do their pool. It was a summer day. And I went to open the chlorine. And you know, they tell you how to handle that correctly. And I did everything I knew to do correctly. And I reached over, I opened that chlorine thing, and I turned my head so I wouldn't breathe it. And, but when I opened it, it had been so hot that it had pressurized and I didn't realize it. And when I opened it, all these chlorine chemicals came out. Now I didn't see it, all I felt was just heat. It was a cloud of heat. And I started coughing, and I started spitting and gagging. And I panicked, I jumped in the, in the pool. I don't know what that would do. So I got up to the house, and. My older sister Shonda and my mom were sitting at the table and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm sitting over the sink, spitting and gagging and gasping for air. And I tried to tell him what's going on. And they thought, let's call poison control. They called poison control and they said, get him to the emergency room now. So they took me to the hospital. I walked in. Usually if you go to the hospital, you got to fill out 20 forms. <laughs> ID, come on somebody. Insurance card. And then they ask you to sit for four hours. Come on. It was just, it is. We walked in, they said, what's going on? And they told them, they hit a button. I don't know where that button is. I like to find that button. Come on. They hit a button that lights changed colors. They sent, put me in a chair. They whisked me back. They didn't know who I was, John Doe or whatever. They whisked me back there. They got me on a gurney. They started putting oxygen on me. They started IVs. And we're like, what in the world? You know, you're like, what? In and, and you're like, what in the world's going on? And all of a sudden later, they told us that when you deal with uh, chlorine and you get exposed to that fumes of it, it can cause your heart to stop immediately. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't know that before. Come on, somebody. <laughs> then I'd be battling the chlorine and the fear. Come on. And I had to stay 24 hours because they said I was exposed to so much chlorine that my blood rejected the oxygen and had gravitated to the chlorine molecules. So what do you do to fix it? So for 24 hours, they put me on heavy saturation of oxygen. So I would breathe this oxygen, heavy saturation, because it was to flood my system with oxygen. And they said there is a point where your blood is hanging onto the, the chlorine because the oxygen's so low. But as we keep adding oxygen, eventually there's a tipping point, say tipping point. And when there's more oxygen than chlorine, then the blood lets go of the chlorine and gravitates to the oxygen. Yes. Some of you have been trying to do right, and you're like, God, why hasn't it changed anything? Let me tell you, do not get weary in well-doing. 
You keep doing. You keep investing that word. You keep praying that word. You keep listening to that word. You keep praying. You keep worshiping. And as you do, things are changing. You don't see them. You don't feel them. But there is a tipping point in the realm of the spirit. And all of a sudden, you'll cross to a place and the things that the enemy used to hold on to and your body would gravitate to and your emotions would, would redirect to and whatever it is, all of a sudden, they'll let go because they're going to gravitate to something that's on the inside that is greater. You have saturated yourself in the word and presence of God. Are you listening to me today? And you're like, you're like, some of us, it's like, man, if we go church in 10 minutes longer, oh, I don't know if I can handle it. Some of us need to handle it because we might be right at the tipping point. You, there's some people that might be right at the tipping point. They didn't realize the process is working and you're thinking this is going longer than usual, but you don't understand. There's people at the tipping point that need to hear and experience a little bit more of the word and the presence of God. And things are about to change. If you believe that's for you, give them the loudest praise. Make the investment. Make the investment. Don't be a reactionary investor. Be a purposeful investor. Make the investment. Time and consistency. Watch what God will do. Watch what God because when you invest, are you listening to me? It's your part to sow or your part to make the investment. Don't be a reactionary. Do you know what in, in the financial world reactionary investors do? They buy off the excitement. Now I've done it. I've done it. I don't do it anymore. I've day traded. I've done puts, I've done options, I've done cover calls, I've done spreads, I've done butterflies, I've done buy to open and close to open and sell to open. And most, most people, you're like, what is that? Don't worry about it. Don't play it. I've, just, I've done puts, I've done penny stocks. People who win with that don't win very long. It's just, it is what it is. But I remember one time I was telling a friend of mine, and I won't mention his name because he's in the building. And there was a stock that was taken off. It was back in the 80s or 90s, 90s, I guess, with the, with the tech boom. And I mean, it's like you buy a tech stock, and it, I don't know why I'm talking so much about investment, but anyway, you buy a tech stock, and it was like, even if you bought the wrong one, they were all going up. And I, I, I found this one, and I'm like, oh, you gotta do this. You gotta buy this stock. You gotta buy the stock. It's, it is, I just bought it. It's going crazy. And it finally bought it at the end of the day. And the next day, he's like, man, I lost money on that. I said, I didn't tell you to buy it eight hours later. I already got out. He didn't tell me he was getting in after a day. You know, reactionary investors never do well because they're, being, they're reacting to the, the climate of what's going on. And they get so excited that they want to jump in in the exciting time. And usually people who invest when it's exciting usually lose. You want to know who do well? People who just consistently methodically they don't do it out of reaction they do it out of purpose you say what's the guy I'm, I'm not here to give you financial that's my disclaimer this is not financial advice I'm not telling you how to invest I am not a broker I'm not a CFO but my point is don't be reactionary to get into the word you know reactionary investors when the things of God they, they open their Bible when they hit a crisis they go to church when things get bad. And praise God, you, you at least try. But the seed takes time to produce fruit. 
And your heavenly father wants you to have the kingdom. He wants you to have the joy, the love, the peace. But if all you do is give him five minutes and a seed to produce a tree, to produce an apple, and you get frustrated, don't be a reactionary investor. Be a methodical investor with the things of God. Amen. See, set a time. I'm going to read the Bible a certain time every day. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to preaching throughout the week. I'm going to worship at a certain time. When I drive to work, I'm going to use that time to pray in the Spirit. I don't know. Use, set, become methodical and keep making the investment and keep making, and in the process of time, am I helping anybody? You're like, I don't feel like doing it. That's when you need to do it the most. That's when you need it the most. I don't want, I don't feel like going to church. I'm just not feeling myself. I'm just not feeling spiritual. I'm not feeling, I don't want a lot of happy people looking at me and saying, praise God, good to see you. I'm just not for that. I just want to hit them. That's the time you need to be in church. Be methodical. Be repetitive. Time and consistency. And you wake up one day and look at people that you used to hate and say, I have genuine love for that person. I have joy where there should be no joy. Man, I feel the presence of God on that. I have peace that exceeds my understanding. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's the work of you. Now, Father, for everyone whose hands are raised, I just ask you to bless them right now. We sense your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move upon the hearts of your people. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. Touch their lives. Someone needs a healing today. Someone needs to be encouraged today. Someone needs to be refreshed today. Someone needs to get back on track today. Someone needs a refocus today. Someone needs to be, have deception removed from their vision so they can see clearly today. Touch your people, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking, is he real to you in a way that you know for sure that he's real and your Lord and Savior? If you don't, you can. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans tells us also, with the heart man believes in the righteousness, but the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, I'll come in. If you don't know him, today's your day. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. Say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for me, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. You're my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.